So let's pray before we find our place in the Word. Lord, we just thank you for the opportunity to gather together as a family. And I just pray, Lord, that you would um, just illuminate us and give us a word to take with us throughout the week. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, I do want you to find yourself in the Word today, and what we're going to do is we're going to start in Isaiah 61 before we go to our key passage. John mentioned that we're going to be discussing peace, Um, so he had given some teaching uh, on the kingdom and the elements of the kingdom, how to identify the kingdom of God at work, and so that's what this is all part of as we talk about the power of peace. So Isaiah 53 verse 4 says this, Um, I'm going here first because I want you to know, before we get into peace, you've got to know where it comes from. I need to know where it comes from. Peace comes from our covenant. If we're born again, if we're believers, peace belongs to us. And that's what I want to show you in Scripture. This is a key passage that I would recommend you underline, that you photo snap it right there, whatever you want to do, because you want to keep it before you. If you find yourself, if you find the answer, I should say, to what you need in our covenant, what Jesus paid for, then the enemy or any of those weird voices, sometimes we don't say, that was the devil, but it was. He's going to disguise himself, right? So we don't often understand or, or maybe recognize that things that are coming our, our way are actually an attack on what Jesus paid for at the cross. What he what he gave for us, what, what he, in a sense, earned for us. We can't earn it ourselves, so let's look there and see. Surely he, being Jesus, took our pain and bore our suffering. Where? On the cross. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. Can we go to the next verse? But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace, say peace. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. The the price for peace was paid by Jesus on the cross. At the same time, he purchased your salvation. He bought your peace. He bought my peace. Now, Jesus said this, my peace I leave with you. Peace I give to you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. So Jesus affirmed the fact that peace comes from him. It comes from the the whole covenant. The next time you take communion, which will be next Sunday, we do that on the first Sunday of the month, remember this. Remember the fact that we're... When we take the cup and we take the bread, we're reaffirming our covenant, what Jesus has already paid for. So when we approach the topic of peace today, it's not about trying to get peace. That's what the world does, you know? So they, they try to get a little peace, don't they? They try to, they're shooting up, they're doing whatever because they've got to have change in their lives. But peace, real peace, is not just a change of circumstance. Peace was bought for us. It was paid for us on the cross. Now, I did mention the fact that it's for believers. You see, outside of knowing Christ as your personal Savior, again, we'll be grasping at peace and we'll never get there. So while you're sitting there today, if you haven't made Jesus Lord of your life, go ahead and do that. Um, Go ahead and say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I, I need you. I need you in my life because there will be no lasting peace without having known him. Now we're going to approach the scripture from a point of believers, from a standpoint of believers, and um, approach this, this topic of peace. 
um, Jesus came. We're going to read a passage in a, in a few minutes. Um, but Jesus came to show us what a spirit-filled man looks like. L- let me tell you what I mean by that. Do you remember at the pool of Bethesda, when Jesus came on the scene, he healed one man. He didn't heal everybody. He healed one person. If we're not careful, we'll make a doctrine out of what Jesus didn't do instead of what he did do. We are supposed to look at Jesus and see him as the firstborn of many brethren. Otherwise, let's say that I had a pattern today. Um, We'll say a little snowflake pattern. And so I make my snowflake pattern, and then I give it to, to one person and another person. And they have their snowflake pattern, and then they take it and they give it to other people. After a while, that snowflake pattern is going to look very different because there was one pattern that we started with. You see, oftentimes we look for people around us. We're looking for someone that's doing the life right. We're looking for some sort of pattern when the pattern is Jesus. So he's our standard. We're not looking and measuring ourselves. Or there can be a very distorted view of what a Christian should look like. But we want to look at what Scripture says about the example of Christ. So, first we're going to start in Romans 14. This is our key passage, and then we're going to move to Mark 4. But look at Romans 14, 16 to 17. This is a passage John's been using some in our kingdom series. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. Or, you know what that's really referring to? Um, The the Jews had some, uh, you know, rules that they followed with eating and drinking, what they could eat, what they couldn't eat, and all of these things passed down from the Jewish law. So this is actually speaking about a form of freedom, all right? So um, when Jesus came, he said, you know what? You can bless your food and your drink, and I'll bless it. So um, it says, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, or not rules, not, not, or not just uh, ways to just be free. To look, you know, that's, that's what we're looking for. That's what you'll find in the world around you. It's people looking for freedom, looking for a, a reprieve from uh, stress and from irritation. So it's not a matter of eat, eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things, and what things? He who serves Christ in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit is acceptable to God and approved by man. Well, I, I believe that those things are in order right there, that God is very purposeful, and we see righteousness, peace, and joy as evidence of God's presence in our life. I think that, that God's making a point. First of all, righteousness. What is that? Right standing with God. If you're a Christian, it's been given to you legally. You have the righteousness of, of God. It is in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus. We are the righteousness of God if we're in relationship with him. Now, the righteousness of God, sometimes we get that confused with righteous behavior. You're supposed to come along in your walk with the Lord, and righteousness on the inside produces right behavior on the outside. Sometimes we get those things reversed, and we think, well, I keep messing up. It's looking toward The word and getting his word in us, righteousness on the inside produces right behavior on the outside. So righteousness first, then peace. Without right standing with God, I can think of nothing that's more uh, uh, upsetting to me than to feel that I've missed the mark, you know? 
have you ever done that? You feel like you've just missed the mark. Maybe it was yesterday. Maybe it's been recently, or it might have been a little while. Feeling like you've missed the mark. It, it can be a real hindrance to your peace. So what we need to do is come back to the fact that we can receive the righteousness of God to cover us when we have behavior that's not righteous, and then turn from that behavior and keep walking, because if we don't do that, there won't be the next thing, peace righteousness, peace, and then joy. Can you agree with me that if I don't have peace, if you don't have peace, if we don't have peace on the inside, there's really no joy. And, and joy, it's extremely important. This is all important because joy is the root of our strength. No joy, no strength. So these things go together in such a wonderful way. Now, with righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost being evidence of the kingdom of God in our lives, we want to move ahead and see Jesus as an example, as he displayed peace. You might remember that in Isaiah, um, it was foretold of Christ before he came. It mentions his name. He shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of... He's the Prince of Peace. So let's see how the Prince of Peace, how our example... See, if we, if we always say, well, that was Jesus, well, no wonder he behaved that way, that was Jesus, then we move ourselves, we give ourselves a lesser standard, and then the Christian life gets less and less and less powerful. We can't do it. We, we dare not do that. We say, Jesus is my example, and if he lived and then died to purchase something for me, to purchase my peace and well-being. If he lived and died for that, then I'm going to receive it, and I'm going to believe I might not be there yet, but I'm going to say that's where I'm going. That's where I'm going to look. Looking unto Jesus, our example, the author, the finisher of our faith. So let's go to Mark 4, shall we? Now, in Mark 4, John's taught a, a number of times from the book of Mark. You might remember him teaching on the sower sows the word. Well, Jesus um, did a lot of teaching in this, it, it, I, you know, I, I want to say this day. I like to look at it as, a, as an entire day because those chapter breaks were given to us by the translator so we could find things when we study like we do today. But um, so early in this, this passage, if you look ahead or look in the, the earlier part of Mark 4, he's teaching about the kingdom of God. He's teaching about the kingdom of God is like a seed. And he says, if you can understand this parable about seed and sowing, that you can understand all other portions, uh, all other parables, all other truths of the gospel. So he's talked about that, and then we move on. I want you to know that in reference. He's, talk, he's talking about seed sown, about actions on purpose. John and I were headed to an event on Thursday night, and um, he just plugged in something. We were listening to some preaching going down the road. So he plugged in something, and um, the, the thought that, that we heard right quick, and then we stopped it and started talking about it, was this. Actions reveal more about what is in you than do, excuse me, I meant reactions. Reactions reveal more about what is inside you than actions. So we're going we're gonna to look at and see this in the life of Jesus here in a minute. It's, you know, we, we wake up and we make our plan for the day and things that we're going to do, choices, actions. But reactions are, are, are things that, it's, it's the way we behave when something comes against us that we're not expecting. So looking back over your week, 
What was your reaction? Not, not what did you do, what was your action? When we say, hey, how was your week? Usually we talk about the actions, what we did. Well, had a good week at work or whatever. We're not going to talk about our reactions, how we acted when something didn't go our way. Uh, again, all in the context of peace, we want to know that there is peace in us. There's the seed of peace that is in us on the inside that empowers us to walk in peace. Mark 4, 35 to 41. On the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, or we might say the the aft of the boat, the, the back part of the boat, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Before we continue, I want to look at a couple of things here. First of all, there was a windstorm that came, and what, as we apply this to our lives, we want to say trouble came. A bad report came. Um, there was a circumstance, an issue that came up. Again, Jesus is our example. He is the man of peace in this situation. And so trouble comes, and we see, that the, we see how the disciples behave. They're all of a sudden, they're, they're so fearful. And so they probably spent a few minutes trying to bail the water out, you know, do, do various things. Um, they had some reaction to the circumstance. And then, out of desperation, they decide to connect with Jesus. They're, they're in a life-or-death situation. So it's major for them, and they, um, they, they go to Jesus right quick. Now, notice the words that they said. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Trouble in their lives at this point revealed what was on the inside of them, what their real belief system was. And the the troubling thing is they had been with Jesus hearing the word preached all day. So even on the day that they had been hearing a sermon, what came out of them is disturbing when we look at that. And we have to look at ourselves and say, wow, what's coming out of me when when things press in on my life. It's, I, I want to say this to you. Another reason why we want to see Jesus as our example in the Gospels and not the disciples, you and I have something that they didn't have. Jesus hadn't died on the cross yet, so he wasn't even living inside them. They were fellowshipping with salvation. They were fellowshipping and in, um, you know, walking with Jesus. But until Jesus died on the cross, he could not take up residence on the inside of anyone because sin broke that fellowship. So you and I have something available to us that the disciples do not have so we don't look at Peter or any of them before the cross and say, well, if the disciples couldn't do it and they walked and talked with Jesus, then I can't do it either. We, we don't give ourselves any reason to be disqualified when Jesus qualified us. He qualified us on the cross. It's bigger. It's so much bigger than just being someone who's rubbing shoulders with Jesus. If we've asked him into our hearts, he lives on the inside by the power of the Holy Spirit. So with that, we see the disciples and the way they behave. And I want you to know that we're looking at Jesus as our example. And we're looking at human nature when we look at the disciples. Now, after Jesus 
died on the cross, you see a great transformation in the disciples. We know from church history that they gave their lives. Many of them were martyred for their faith. So we know that there was a, quite a transformation that took place in their own lives once Jesus um, died on the cross and then ascended. So let's look a little further here. We see what they say. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? When trouble comes our way, again, we've got to maintain our peace. We've got to guard our peace. When trouble comes, we've got to be careful not to say, Jesus, do you love me? Where are you? They had been with Jesus all day, and now trouble comes, and they're thinking, Lord, do you love me? To be rooted and grounded in the love of God. When things come our way that we're able to say, Lord, I don't know how, I don't know when, I don't know where, but I'm going to hang on to my trust in you. You are going to work this situation out. The disciples, let's, let's think about them as an example of a natural way of thinking. The disciples had seen Jesus turn water into wine. They had seen Jesus heal. They had seen him multiply the loaves and fishes. And here they are, they're saying, Jesus, do you not care about us? When we're with peace and contending to maintain our peace, and when trouble comes, we have to be careful because then if, if we're not careful, Jesus is only as good as his last trick in our lives, his last miracle. If he's not working in my behalf, then we, we move ahead in the next situation. Well, this looks bigger. This is really big. Or it hits us emotionally. And we say, Lord, where are you? So Jesus, they wake him, and he arises, it says, in the next portion. It says, then he arose, and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea. I love this because just as I was looking at this, looking over my notes this morning, it was so sweet. Then he arose and rebuked the wind. He didn't rebuke them. How dare you get me up when I'm sleeping? We have a couple of stories at my house. When I get woke up, I sleep rather deeply, and so it can kind of be crazy. Uh, if, I'm, if I'm sleeping, you know, and I'm kind of in a deep sleep, something crazy could come out. Ah, you know? So, But Jesus, what was on the inside of him was the heart to rescue his disciples. He did not rebuke them. When trouble comes your way, let's, let's, let's be careful to maintain our peace and, and not rebuke the people around us. We don't war against flesh and blood. We war against principalities. And we're contending for what? We're contending for the faith. We're contending for our peace in this situation. He arose and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And this, this is key. They just, Jesus just calmed the sea. He just spoke to the wind. They had been fearful before. The circumstances die, and they're fearful afterward. We often say to ourselves, well, when this works out, I won't be afraid anymore. This is the biggest challenge. I won't be so irritable anymore. I won't be so angry anymore. I'll have my peace back. The storm quieted, and they feared exceedingly. First or second Timothy, I think it's first Timothy that says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind, one of discipline 
in the Amplified Bible, and self-control. So the circumstances changed, but the fear was still there. Why? Because fear in your life and in mine is not attached to that circumstance. It's attached to a spirit that's coming in and saying, you'll never get better. Your children will never make it. You're gonna miss, this is going to be the biggest failure of your life. You just thought the last thing stung. This is really going to get you. I'm going to be the, the death of you yet. This circumstance is going to get you yet. Okay, we've got to know. That just a change of circumstance, just looking for, oh, I can't wait till the 15th. Then I'll get paid and I'll be out of this financial situation. I can't wait till I get down the road, till my, my tax check comes in. Then I'll start tithing. The thing is, our circumstances do not cause us to be in peace or uh, have peace or not have peace. Good circumstances. We, we tend to think that, but that's very short-lived. That's not where peace comes from, just a positive situation. So let's move ahead then. If we know that peace is ours because of our covenant with Christ and what he bought and paid for on the cross, we see Jesus operating in peace and speaking. What, what was inside him came out. What was inside the disciples, when trouble came, came out of them. Now, again, remember the fact that they were not, um, they didn't have what you and I have with salvation. So what does this mean to us? If we look at John 14, 27, I have one last passage I want to share with you. Whatever we live in constant fellowship with will be manifested in our lives. So we want to be keepers of our own maintainers of the, the peace that is inside us. We want to uh, guard that. We want to find our place of peace. Oftentimes that can happen. It can be accelerated when you're in church in a worship service. Some of you today, what a great worship service that was. Some of us, and I was standing there thinking about this this morning. I wonder how many are worshiping from a place of thanksgiving because something just happened to them. So, woo, you know, we're excited. Or we don't know. All we know is what we see on the outside, and so we might think, look at how many people in this room have, have experienced victory. We tend to think that people are worshiping because things have been great, but we, you don't know that. There could be someone in here that is determined, I'm going to worship out of a place of peace, out of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit that is in me, and I'm worshiping from a place of peace, from a place of victory, in order to move forward, knowing that there's something on my horizon that I don't know what to do about. That's the real place of victory in our lives. I want you to think about peace as, as not just the effect, the effect of good circumstances. That's what the world thinks of peace. Because we look out and we use it as an adjective. What a peaceful day. And that means the wind's not blowing. Things are wonderful. But that's not the, the root of peace that we see scripturally. It's a force. It's a force in your reborn spirit. So I, I want to look at what Jesus said in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace, his own peace, his own peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So what does he mean? What is the type of peace that the world gives? You make me happy and things will be great. 
you do well and you'll get that raise. Um, you, things are going well and we, things, things are good. It's the absence of trouble. Peace in the world is absence of conflict. Peace inside, however, should be the force in our reborn spirit. Peace inside that causes peace on the outside. That's what Jesus uh, showed us in the example where he spoke peace. It was on the inside. And then what happened? It occurred on the outside. You and I are supposed to be people of peace so that there is peace manifested in our homes, in, in the world around us, in our workplaces, that there's a force of peace. But we, can make it, we have to make a choice in that. There's a choice to operate in conflict. Trouble's going to come. Conflict's going to come our way. But we, if, if we're people of peace, then that peace can be a, a healing balm a calmness that comes over a troubled situation. So I submit to you that peace is not the absence of conflict and trouble. The peace that Jesus gives in the middle of conflict and trouble will cause us to dominate our circumstances. You know, um, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the seeds that are in us as, as believers. That's what Jesus bought and paid for you and I to have. Those things within us, those fruit of the Spirit. There, it's actually an error in the translation for it to have a capital S. Because we think of it as the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Well, that can't be right. We know that he's got the fruit of the, we know God's spirit, the Holy Spirit does have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Of course, those are his, but they're actually the fruit of our reborn spirit, little s, your spirit, my spirit, where the Holy Spirit dwells should be. It is, but is it operating? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness goodness, gentleness, and self-control, the fruit of the Spirit. Because the, the thing is, these are what reflect God's nature. These are what reflect God's Spirit inside us, peace being the key one that we're looking at today. You know, people in the world around us, they're craving peace. They're craving answers in their lives. What does peace do? If we have peace in our lives, I want you to think about it as an atmosphere that we carry. Do you remember in Acts where um, John and Peter had been preaching and they had been, you know, uh, preaching, teaching the gospel? And we see evidence in Scripture where their very shadow would be cast on someone and they'd be healed. Is that amazing? Amazing. Now, this is after Jesus died on the cross. See what was available after Jesus died on the cross. So even their shadow, but I, I want you not to look at just the shadow. Here's what I want you to think of. How I've got a shadow up here, and, and from where I'm standing right now, the top of my head is hitting that speaker. So I want you to think about that circumference. What's your circumference where people come in your zone, and it's a peace zone? You know, I'm not responsible. I can't bring peace to the world. But I can bring peace where my area of influence is, in my home. I can bring peace 
in my workplace where people want to come for answers. Are you a person of peace? Because what happens when there's a, there's a, a peace environment is the fog lifts mentally for people. You ever had that happen? When you just have, maybe you're on vacation or you're out of a, you're out of a troubled situation for a bit and there's a level of peace, there's clarity. Things begin to clear up. You, you, you get hope. You're thinking, wow, I've got a new idea. But if we're allowing the things of the world to be our focus rather than pursuing and guarding peace, then there'll, there'll be all of this heaviness. We won't think clearly. There's freedom where there's peace. So people can be free because of you, because of you having the fruit of the Spirit operating in your life. You go out tomorrow, and you've got that zone around you of the fruit of the Spirit. And mainly, as we talk about peace, people see you as a person that is self-possessed, not just uh, affected by every situation and circumstance, but you operate from a place of peace. When you have peace in your life and you guard and maintain that, people can see God options when they're just talking with you. And you know what? You don't even have to be preaching to them. You don't have to necessarily have, you might have a scripture. I think it's good for us to always have a ready word, you know, to say. But there might be people that you encounter that really don't believe in the God that you believe in. But you can still encourage them and show them that God and make them want something that you have. And it comes from operating in peace. A peaceful person contributes to the well-being of those around them. Well, there, there's something that I, I just want to share with you, and I want to do something before we wrap this up. A couple of weeks ago, uh, ago I went to the doctor, and um, it was time for my blood test. So they did the thorough blood check and all of that, and then uh, the doctor met with me the next week, and she said, you have amazing health. She said, um, I, what, what do you do? What's your routine? So I just kind of shared with her my routine. She said, I mean, everything's clear on your blood test. Well, a, a number of years back, John and I were, um, the, we, it was in the process uh, shortly thereafter, I believe, that the building had been erected here. And um, so we had moved into the building and there were still some you know, challenges, but we weren't where we used to be, meeting in the daycare and meeting in schools and rented facilities. And so here we are on 10 acres and it's debt-free. And so basically we just had to uh, make sure that the, the building payment was paid for right and all of this. We had four little kids and uh, just a lot of things going on um, for young pastors in their early 30s. And uh, I began to have some physical issues. And so uh, went to the doctor and she said, you, re you really have a, probably a high level of stress. She talked to me about what was going on in my life. And she said, you know, there's a, there's a lot for you to be stressed over. Your thyroid is low. And she said, I want to put you on um, thyroid medicine. And she said, uh, just know this, that as you move ahead into your, your 40s and all, we'll probably have to increase it. That's just the nature of things. Because when you take these medications, your thyroid will then shut down a bit to kind of compensate for the thyroxin that you're getting and all of that. So it's just a natural part, so we'll probably have to increase it. And I said, well, will I ever be able to get off of the medication? She said, no. She said, generally, it just does not happen. We just don't see that. 
So I said, okay. So, you know, I'd been wrestling with some things. And then around that time, we had been, uh, John and I went to a number of events that year, and we heard some teaching on healing. And so I, I began to just saturate myself in teachings on healing. I'd listen to them by audio. I, I was looking up the scriptures and highlighting my Bible and all of that. And I came across a teacher that said this, God doesn't have a problem with your illness, with your, your, your sickness. Um, and he already paid the price for that. And there's really no problem with you going to the doctor or being healed. Those are not in contrast either. So as I listened, I began to learn a few things. What am I talking about? Peace. Maybe you're here today and you ha you're having a health issue. Well, um, with, with my medication that I began to take, I had heard this uh, teaching. And, and again, John and I were just immersing ourselves in God's word. It was an amazing year for us. And so as I began to listen, I knew that I could take my medication. And when I did, I could take it with Proverbs 4 that speaks of the word of God being healing and health to all your flesh. So I would take my medication, and I had a scripture right there by my sink in the restroom, and it was Proverbs 4. And I would say, Lord, I'm taking this because it helps my symptoms, but you're the healer. Only you can heal me. The doctor can't heal me. The medication can't heal me. So I would take that, and I would say that verse out loud. Jesus spoke peace because he wanted peace. That I could go a long, long ways on the power of our words, but what happened was, I, as I began to take that medication, and uh, my thyroid did begin to, you know, things were better, my blood tests were better, but then when I went later, still there was no healing completely yet. I was still on my medication, but I kept at the Word of God um, and sang it over my life. That's what brings healing. So I would speak that over my life, and I cranked it up. I began to do that three times a day. Well, now I am completely off all medications, and the Lord has healed my body, and I do not expect to ever go back on thyroid medication. So I, I want to say this to you. You that are here today, as we're talking about peace, I want, I want, to, I want to have a very practical application for you today. If you're dealing with issues in your body, if you have, there, there may be a situation that the doctor said, you know what? It's just degenerative. Adjust and get used to it. You, you don't have to say, I'll take the word of the doctor. You can listen to his wise advice. You can listen to her wise advice and still cling to the word knowing that the Lord is your healer. Just like you contend for faith and, and contend for peace over your emotional well-being, over your finances, we know that Jesus bore our sickness and disease on the cross. So before you even leave here today and go about your week, I want you to have left here today with an opportunity for an encounter with Jesus. The, the thing that, that we don't want to have on a regular basis, uh, John and I, we, we often talk about what's happening in the church and, and the atmosphere and the things that we sense happening among people, things that people tell us that are going on in our lives. But we never want we don't want this at our workplaces either, you and I. For people to sense something a little bit different about us and maybe they come to us at, at one particular time and we're up or we're down or whatever. And they come and they need an answer. They need Jesus. They have marriage problems. They, have, they don't know they need Jesus. They just know they need relief. 
They've got back pain is what they have. They have uh, allergies or whatever it is that they have, and they're looking for an answer. What they're really looking for is Jesus. I don't want them to look for Jesus and only get Gwen. So as we're here today, I hope that your faith has been stirred. If you need healing in your body, I want you to stand. If you need healing in your body, I want you just to stand right where you are. And we're going to believe God today that he is going to heal you. Just This may be some of you that are standing here um, and then some of you that are sitting. How many of you have ever been healed before? Look, at, look around the room. Look. Look at that. Maybe 20 or 30? Maybe more. Jesus is the healer. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so what we're going to do is we're going to apply our faith to what we saw in Isaiah, that Jesus bore our, our sicknesses and our diseases on the cross. So maybe you thought you just came today needing a, you were excited about receiving peace. You're going to receive more than that, and it's going to guide you through the week ahead. And you're going to be one that, that is delivered and delivers other people where you go, that your influence matters. If we can pray and believe that the sick are healed today, then what I want you to do is I want you to recognize you can do the very same thing at work. It's not going to look like this. But if people come to you and they need answers, say, do you want to pray about it? You can ask them. They don't have to. Um, but you can say, do, can I pray over you? Many times they'll say yes. So we're going to believe for your healing. Are you ready? Honey, would you come up with me? Let's pray together. Lord, I just thank you today. I thank you, Father, for this church. I thank you for everyone in attendance today. And Lord, we just say Jesus is Lord over sickness and disease. And Lord, we don't know what the circumstances are. If it's a, a, something that's been there for years, a nagging, plaguing illness for which there is no cure. We just know that your word shows us a different answer, that Jesus is the answer. And we just declare healing in the house. There is healing in the word of God regularly intaking, taking in the Word of God is healing and health to all our flesh. So, Lord, I just pray over those that are here today. I pray for healing power to permeate their bodies in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you bore our sickness on the cross, and by the stripes of Jesus, we are healed. And in the name of Jesus, I claim sickness and disease. Get out of here. In Jesus' name, we resist you by the power of Christ Jesus, and instead we take our healing. We take it. We receive it. It is ours. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did for us on the cross. Would you say thank you, Jesus? I, 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 there's one little thing there that I didn't say. You can be seated before I turn it to John. You know, I never had anybody lay hands on me for that thyroid issue. I would have. Um, but it just happened to be that time in our life that I was out with Children's Church every day. I was a children's pastor. So I would just come in and I would play uh, the piano and then I would go out and, and lead Children's Church. So I wasn't in here for the most part when people laid hands, when there was light, hands laid on the sick. But did you know that you don't have to, you can receive healing just like anything else under the covenant by the word. Remember Proverbs 4, his word is healing and health to all our flesh. I put it in and it makes me healthy. 
I don't have to seek necessarily for those things in my life. The things that you, just coming on a regular basis, I want, I want you to know. It was, it was interesting because the Harrises, John and I went to lunch with the Harrises a couple of weeks ago, and we began to talk about this at lunch. How just being in a, in a setting, we don't want to um, lessen the power of God that takes place when we gather together on Sundays. What, what's keeping you well? What's keeping you going? What's keeping you in a place of, of victory? It's because we gather. It's because the Word of God brings strength to us. It's the seed of the Word that causes fruit of any kind to happen in our lives. Don't allow the enemy to say, that's not working in your life. What good does that do? It does all the good. May the Lord bless you. May He keep you. And make his face shine upon you. May he give you peace.